Well, welcome to SunWest. Welcome to our, our Easter weekend where it's supposed to be spring out, but it sure feels like Christmas out there right now. <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'll, 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 I'll admit it. Um, yeah. We, uh, in, in, we're entering in where we are in the middle of uh, the Holy Week in the Christian calendar where it started off this past Sunday as a Palm, Palm Sunday with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And, and it ends off a week later celebrating Resurrection Sunday where Jesus has risen from the dead, conquering death and, and sin. It's, it's imperative for us, though, to pause in the middle of this week on this Friday as we remember what Christ did for us on the cross. That's what we've come here to do today. And, and it's, it's an odd thing to do. It's, it's an odd thing to, to look at death, but this is why we, we gather together to look at the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ. This can be uh, very difficult. I, I don't know if, if you have ever uh, witnessed or been in the room where you have come face to face with, with death. It's, it's not an easy thing to come face to face with. I remember when I was uh, 20 years old, my, um, my grandpa was in the hospital and my parents were down in Medicine Hat where, uh, where he lived. And, uh, and I got the call saying um, he's in his final stages of life. If you, if you want to come and, and uh, say your goodbyes, uh, you, you better get here soon. And so from Edmonton, I drove the six hours as soon as I got off the phone from that, from that call. And I, I drove right up to the hospital and I, I walked up the three flights of stairs and into his, his bed or into the room that he was in. And you could tell uh, as soon as you gathered in that something important was happening. Family was surrounding him. There was a certain uh, electricity energy in, in the air. Uh, my grandpa was knocking on death's door. My grandpa was a really important person for our, our family. Uh, he, was a, he was a man of, of faith. He modeled to us what it was to love uh, family and, and his wife unconditionally. Uh, he was a man of, a man of prayer and faithfulness. He uh, was also blind. He was blind from the age of 13 on. He married late in life, had three, three daughters, and, uh, and, and we wanted to be with him in this moment, in his last stage of, of life. After I, I came into the, into the room, I found um, uh, a little spot at the corner of the head of his, his bed, and, uh, and the quiet chatter uh, resumed after the greetings had occurred. My grandma was um, uh, with my grandpa all day and hadn't eaten at, at all that day, and so my aunt took my grandma away to get something to eat. And, and, and when, when she did that, uh, a nurse came in just a little while afterwards and just said, so, just so you guys know, it's not uncommon for the patient to wait for uh, a loved one to um, leave the room before they decide to pass. And so we, we were all on, on high alert. And, and about five to ten minutes later, sure enough, Something shifted in my, uh, my grandpa's demeanor, and, and my mom and my aunt, they, they rushed to, to, the, to the bed, and they wanted to bless him, and they wanted to thank him, and they wanted to let him know uh, that, that he was loved, 
and, and we were grateful for the legacy of faithfulness that he had left and he had modeled for us. I found myself standing right at the, at the head of his bed with, with my grandpa's head in, in my hands. And, and, and then it happened. He, he drew his last breath. He exhaled. And with it, uh, his life departed. He went to be with the Lord. I'll never forget that moment. Looking at death can be heart-wrenching. It can be difficult. It's hard. And at the same time, it's something very natural and very beautiful about it. And you would say, well, what do you mean by that? It's kind of an awkward thing, a weird thing to, to say, Drew, that death can be beautiful. Well, it, it can be because it's in those moments when you are facing death in the, in the face that, that you come to remember what is most important to you. Coming here today, we are faced with this tension. As we look at the death of, of Christ as a result of sheer brutality at the hands of the Roman government, an, an act of, of terror that was used to subjugate the citizens of the country that they were occupying. And we, we have that on one hand, and then we have it on the other hand, where we call this day Good Friday. Good, good Friday. How can we call this day Good Friday? And as difficult as it is, it is so important that we intently look at the cross of Christ this Good Friday. The, the Apostle Paul, he has uh, some thoughts about this. In his letter to the, the Galatians, in the very last chapter, he, he makes this, it's a phenomenal statement. He says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. To, to look at the cross of Christ is to, is to do this one thing, is to recalibrate your life around this one thing, that the God of this universe came to lay his life down for you. There's a, a word that Paul uses in this um, text that I find really fascinating. It's this word boast. If I'm going to boast about anything, I'm going to boast about the cross of Christ. When I look at the cross of Christ, there, there's a lot of things that I might be thinking and a lot of things that I might want to do. Boasting might not be the first thing that comes to mind. Why, Paul, do you say if I'm going to boast in anything, I'm going to boast about the cross of Christ? The, the word that he uses in, in, the, in the Greek, it, it means to exalt and that word literally means to hold your head high. And he's saying, if I'm going to do anything, I'm gonna, if I'm going to hold my head high, I'm going to hold my head high as I gaze at the cross of Christ. We've, we've become such a look-down society, haven't we? I mean, there used to be a day where we would sit at, the, at a red light and we would be white-knuckling our steering wheel, anxiously anticipating for the light to go from red to, to green. And that, now that light can't stay red long enough as we're flipping through Instagram pictures and comments on Facebook and what did that last person tweet out? And we just, we're so involved in our, in our phones and social media. We look down all the time, whether it's on our computers or we're cooking or we're texting or even, even in our prayer time. So many of our daily habits cause us to, to look down. 
I, was, I saw something on my um, Facebook feed, and I want to show it to you today of uh, what happens as a result of being such a look-down society. I think we got a little video, and it's okay to laugh. Feel free to do it. A little while ago, I was at my neighbor's house, and he has a good friend of, of his who's a chiropractor, and he owns a, a clinic in Victoria, and we got into this discussion. He, he is making it his life's mission to, to stop people from looking down so much, and so, so get this. This is just a little bit out of the conversation that we had, that in our bodies, we have 70 trillion cells that is connected to our life, and every one of them is directly impacted by the condition of your spinal cord, and, and, and the curve of your neck is particularly important in this condition. And every time that we are looking down, we are compressing the spinal cord in a, in a negative way, which is literally cutting off the function of our nervous system every time we look down. And so what this chiropractor um, uh, taught me and showed me to do is that every opportunity I can throughout the day that, that I was to, um, to help correct this posture, I was to stand tall and throw my shoulders back. I was to raise my palms up and tilt my head up and look up. And this would correct the negative effect of what we've done, what I've done by looking down so much. And this posture can literally restore the life to the body. I think you see where I'm going with this. This is the same posture that the Apostle Paul said that we were to have. This posture is one that we today take as a corrective measure to remind ourselves that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Today we hold our heads high towards the cross of Christ, looking at uh, what he has done for us, recalibrating our, our lives in all the ways that our life has, has gotten out of alignment. We don't hold our heads high today based on the accomplishments that we have, based on our successes, based on our giftings and, and, the, and the talents that we possess. No, we follow the example of Jesus who in Philippians 2 says he stepped out of heaven and he made himself nothing. We, we look up and we hold our heads high and we behold him today. Uh, Jesus' first cousin, John, his name is John, John the Baptist, we're introduced to him in the Gospels. And, and he comes on the scene and the whole ministry of John the Baptist is to prepare the way for Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he makes this incredible statement. He says, he says behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take the sins away. Before Jesus had performed any miracles, before he had preached any sermons, before he had any ministry moments, John the Baptist, he wanted to, to take people's attention off of him, put it on Jesus and say, hey, look, he's going to do what no man has ever done, what no man can do, and what no man ever will do. Behold him. Look on him. See him. Gaze upon him. Experience him. Behold the, the man who was born in Bethlehem, who was born to be a sacrifice, who was born to pay the price for our reconciliation to God so we can have right relationship with him. He was born to be the payment of our sins. He, he was born to be held captive so we could experience abundant life. We hold our heads high today as we look at the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. 
Today, we look upon the one who ate with sinners and prostitutes and people of ill repute. Today, we, we look upon the one who welcomed the children to him and said, and said the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Today, we hold our head high and we look at the one who, who never forced himself on anyone, but welcomed and embraced everyone. We, we hold our heads high today as, as, as we look upon the one who walked on water, who, who calms the storms, who feeds the hungry and, and casts out demons. We hold our heads high today as, as we look upon the one who gave sight to the blind, who allowed the deaf to hear, who the, the lame can begin to walk, who gave life to death. We hold our heads high today as we look upon the one who broke the curse of, of sin and we who had, have been held captive by it are now set free. We hold our heads high today as we look upon the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. That's what we've come here to do today. In the, in the same way that Paul and, and John invite us to look upon the cross of, of Christ and to behold him, is the same invitation that the Roman gover, governor Pontius Pilate gave the people of Jerusalem at that time. In, in John chapter 19, verse 5, Jesus comes out and he's wearing a crown of thorns and a, and a purple robe and in a mock procession and enthronement of a king. And, and Pilate says to the people, he says, Behold the man. Look upon him. Gaze at him. See him. Experience him. And when we do this, when we look upon him, remember he is the one who has been betrayed, he's been abandoned, he's been deserted, he's been denied by his closest friends, he, he's already been, been whipped, and, and contrary to what you might have heard about a 39 lashing that he may have received, there was no such thing as a 39 lashing limit under the Roman law. He was beaten until the Roman soldiers grew physically tired and fatigued and couldn't do it anymore. They twisted a, a crown of thorns on his head and brought him to the Roman ruler of Jerusalem, Pontius Pilate, who again here presented him before the crowds and, and said, Behold him. And, that, and after all that, Pilate found Jesus not guilty. And so this was just a Friday morning Roman mockery, but the crowd, the crowd's appetite wasn't filled. They wanted more. So Pilate turns and asks, what do you want me to do with him? And they replied, crucify him. I know you can't see him today, but as best as you can, imagine him there in your, in your mind's eye. Look up and behold the Lamb of God. One of Jesus' disciples, Peter, later on in his life, he wrote a, a letter. And he was remembering this day. And, and he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. 
And even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And your first question when you hear that is, well, how can we experience this glorious and inexpressible joy that, that Peter said we can? How is this even possible to experience? It's, it's possible because it's personal. Because when we're confronted with this, When we look at this death, when we consider this, we come to the realization that it's it's for you. Today we come to look at the cross of Christ. Peter goes on in his letter and he says, "For, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So, so there he was, standing before the crowds. He's beaten and betrayed. He's been abandoned and, and, and abused. And, and the only thing that is holding him there, the only thing that is compelling him to move forward in this day, his other disciple, John, describes this in his letter, First John. He says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his his life for us, and, and, and you, brothers and sisters, ought to do the same for one another. Well, his execution is ordered, and, and Jesus was forced to march down the winding streets of Jerusalem carrying the cross that he was going to be crucified on. The weight of this burden was, was too much for Jesus to, to handle and to carry after all he had gone through. And so another person was ordered to help him carry that, that cross. And he was winding down the streets, a street called the Via Della Rosa. I've never been to Jerusalem. It's kind of on my bucket list to experience the, the Holy Land at some point in, in my life. But from what I've been told, the the Via Della Rosa is one of the main roads in Jerusalem. It's a winding road. It's a long road. And and on either side of this road is is marketplaces and and shops and and customers and and patrons. And all these people were, were, were gathered along this road to witness what Jesus was going through. And this was, again, the weekend of the Passover. And so the, the population of Jerusalem had, had swelled up to over 400%. See, the the, the point of this was not just crucifixion. The point of this was humiliation. This was Rome telling everybody, if you rebel against the the, the powers of Rome, if you come with a different message that that Rome does, then, then this will be your fate as well. And as Jesus walked through the Via Della Rosa, he comes to a hill called Golgotha. A hill where uh, the crucifixions took place. And, 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 and again, there is a good chance that he wasn't crucified on top of the hill, but at the bottom of the hill. as That's where the road was, and that's where the, the crowds gathered. And, and this was the way of the Romans to allow everyone to see this act and to, and to join their voices in the chorus of the voices around them, mocking and, and jeering and cursing. Christ was nailed to the cross on on that road, willing sacrifice to pay the price for 
our sins. Peter, he goes on in, in his letter and he says he, he personally carried our sins in his body on, that, on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And then he closes with this famous saying, by his wounds you are healed. See, the, the New Testament writers, whether it be John or Peter or, or Paul or, or Luke, they would look at the work of the cross and they would declare our sins canceled with every pounding of the nail. And they would plead for us to know that by the wounds of Jesus that we are forgiven and we can be healed. That the price, that the stream of blood that came from the lashings and the nails would pay the price of my sins. And even the father had to turn his head from Jesus as he was left alone there to die, hanging on a, on a cross for the world to see. When, when this happened, an unnatural darkness, it was an ominous foreboding uh, darkness, fell on, on the land, and, and Jesus would breathe his last words. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And this is the death that we come to hold our heads high today and look at. This is a death that Paul says, says, look up, look up. And, and it's almost impossible to look up when, when all I want to do is, is lower my, my head in, in sorrow and in, in reverence. But this is what we came to see, and this is what he tells us to, to, to do, to look up and behold him. It's what the writers of Scripture talked about, even in the Old Testament. Jeremiah says this, this is what the Lord says, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their, in their riches. Today is not a day to talk about riches. Today is not a day to talk about, to, to, to talk about accomplishments and successes. Today we, we follow the lead of the Apostle Paul and if we're going to boast about anything, let us boast about the cross of Christ Today is a day that we put all our hopes, our trust, our, our faith in the one who remained faithful when all around him, those that were with him, showed their lack of faith. That's what makes today a good Friday. That, that is why we can hold our heads high today as he declares you forgiven. So today, today we, we hold our heads high. And, and we look at the cross. The cross that was an instrument of death has, be, has become a cornerstone for our victory. Today we hold our heads high as, as we look upon the one who, who has, has, has borne every sorrow, grief, and pain. Today we hold our heads high as we look upon the one who has removed guilt and shame and pain. We, we hold our heads high as we look at the one who knows you by name, who has declared you fearfully and wonderfully made, who, he who boasts over you. Today we hold our heads high as we look at the one who rejoices you, rejoices over you and loves you with an everlasting love, who loves you with a love that, that says that he says that nothing can separate us from. 
today we hold our heads high as we look at not just an empty cross, but an empty tomb. Today we hold our heads high and we declare that, that I've been crucified with Jesus and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Today we hold our heads high and we look at the one who was and is and is to come. We hold our heads high and, and we, we look at this cross which was meant for the death of the one who called God Abba Father and recognizing that this is the very means that I have life you have life. We all have life. And we can come before God as our Heavenly Father, as an Abba Father. Would you stand me? As we close off our service this morning, maybe, maybe you can join me in the posture that uh, Paul tells us to take. And uh, throw your shoulders back. Stand tall. Hold your hands up. Look up. And see the one who has paid the price for your sins. And if we're going to boast in anything, friends... Let's boast in the power of the cross. We can experience freedom and life through his sorrow, grief, and death. God, we thank you for the price that you paid so that we could be in right relationship with you. If you're here today and you're a visitor with us and this is this might be uh, news to you somebody brought you here because they wanted you to hear the message of the cross the message of the cross is one of freedom in life and relationship with God it's a gift that is given to all who hear and all can receive it. I'm going to say a, a prayer in a moment. And if you want to pray this prayer with me, church, everybody can pray this prayer with me. And this could be sort of a rededication. It might be a commitment. But let's just take a, a moment as the band is playing and in silence. Let's just behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. Father, your, your, your word tells us that this gift of salvation 
belongs to all those who believe in their hearts and confess with their mouth. Father, we believe that you died for us, paying the price of our sins on that cross. We know that while we are here this Friday, this is not the end of the story because in a couple days, you conquer death. You break the curse of sin, allowing us to come into your throne room, into your presence, be in right relationship with you. And that is our heart's desire. Thank you for this gift. God, if we're going to boast in anything, we want to boast in the cross of Christ. If you prayed that prayer, we have a package for you at the, at the Welcome Center in, in the hallway. I would, I would really encourage you to talk to somebody and, and allow them to pray for you and with you and journey with you in this, in this walk that we call the Christian life. For, for the rest of us, as we take the rest of this weekend, let us consider the act of Christ 2,000 years ago and, and what that means for us today. That we can live in freedom and in life and, and, and knowing that the bondage of, of sin does not have a hold on us anymore. Amen. Let's sing. Church, can we, can we show God how grateful we are for the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So grateful, God. So grateful that you loved us so much you were willing to give your life for us. Father, I pray in turn that we, we would love well, we would love others well, we would love you well, and we would know that we are loved by you. Pray we walk in that freedom this week, in our lives. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, uh, the weekend's not over, all right? Uh, we got a whole Sunday celebration coming up, and uh, we invite everyone to be a part of that. It's going to be 9.15 and, and 10.30 here at the theaters again. And, and we got a special guest speaker coming. Our founding pastor, Willie Reimer, is going to deliver the Easter message uh, morning. So we are excited about that. Have a great weekend. We'll see you in, in a couple days. Go with God. Go in grace and walk in his mercy. Amen.